and, so and we love <laughs> where we live yeah. and we have our music studio we have our painting studio <laughs> and our writing, and our writing lab. Studio, writing lab so we're set you know yeah. we're people are complaining about oh this weather i can't get out i'm thinking oh this weather yay i, can't <laughs> oh, get out. I don't have to go out you know? <laughs> but uh anyway yeah. enough of that but today we're gonna we're, we're not gonna ramble on about that all day long we are going to have a discussion about um, Revelations and First Thessalonians, and we're going to uh, sing a song, Eye on the Prize, and Robert's going to read a chapter from the book. <laughs> and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so we welcome you to... I took a right turn. <laughs> I don't know why I always want to say Daddy's throne room. I started to say that. Well, we're we always feel like we're in Daddy's room. Oh, you know? oh, that's great, Robert. And, it, and at me. one time you wanted to call this. I did. Well, no, you wanted to call it. Uh, what does it matter? Whatever <laughs> I wanted to, we've got the name, and it's not Daddy's. Room, I took so a right turn. I took a right turn. Yeah. And it all came out great. Amen. So, Amen. Uh, enough of that for all or all. <laughs> what a word. For all, we're all. So let's get started, baby. Okay. In Revelations, uh, chapter three, and in the in the message, you know, it never gives you just one verse. Always gives a little passage, you know, like a paragraph. And this is uh, verses twenty through twenty-one of chapter three in Revelations. It says, "Look at me." I stand at the door, I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table, just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father. That's my gift to the conquerors. The conquerors. Doesn't say that in here. Yes, it does. Oh, it does. And this is Jesus talking. You know, at the beginning of Revelation, it starts out. You know, it's a a, a vision of Christ. It starts out with him. I'm I'm the I am the Omega, Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You know, and then he goes through all the. Here's my uh, what the Spirit is saying to the churches, and then Christ comes and he he's saying this and he says, stand. You know, and in <clears throat> many churches. Uh, we don't have a cough button. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. And that wasn't a cough, that no. was a sneeze. Oh, God bless you. Thank you. You know, um, and in many churches, there's pictures of Jesus standing at a door knocking, and it comes right from this verse, I stand at the door and knock. You know, and think about it. You know, he is always inviting us inviting us the holy spirit is convicting he's quite a us. gentleman yes you know and he invites us to come in and in this verse you know he talks about the conquerors the conquerors will open the door for him and he'll come in who are the conquerors well, the conquerors are those believers who have overcome the world you know, and in some translations, it says the overcomers. 
Uh-huh. You know, and there are uh, ministries that have built their whole ministry practically on being the overcomers. And they call themselves the overcomers, you know. And here it just translated as conquerors. You know, and what are we conquering? What are we overcoming? We're overcoming the world, you know, because... That'd be so good. Well, Christ says, you know, the, the world is constantly around her, but don't never fear. I, I have overcome the world. Yes. You know, he's conquered the world. And that's what he says, that just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father. Well, what did he conquer? He conquered sin, death, and the devil. You know, and those are the three things that keep us in bondage. Ever since our first ancestor, Adam and Eve, partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. That has been central in our lives. Mm. And we have been hung up on the self-centeredness of seeing good and evil. Seeing good and evil on everything. You know, and sometimes good can take us as far away from God as evil. Yes, I agree. You know, and, and people can get so hung up on being good, they become evil. You know, uh, right now a big saying, that, and it's, it's from a long time ago, and it's used by many uh, political groups, doing things for the greater good. And, you know, whenever you hear somebody doing something for the greater good, you can just about always bet it's something evil. I mean, they're... We're going to do it for the greater good. You know, you got to break some eggs to make an omelet. You got to kill some people to save everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. You got to make some people poor to make, you know, the rest of the people middle class or whatever, you know. And so we can become so focused on doing the good, we we forget the perfect. You know, and and our problem is we, we see our eyes, our vision, is trapped within this world and we tend to compare ourselves to other people and when we compare ourselves to other people we look pretty good mm. but when we compare ourselves to Jesus mm. who was nailed to the wood mm-hmm. we see a whole different perspective you know and so this is the idea that when he comes and he invites us when he gives us he convicts us we need to open that door. We need to don't just shut it off. You know, like when we're convicted of sin, a lot of us, you know, for one thing, a lot of people say, I, I don't sin. I don't even believe in sin. What's sin? You know, well, sin is doing anything that isn't what God called us to do. You know, and, you know, sin might be different from one person to another. The ultimate arbiter of that is, as Paul said, whatever is not of faith, is sin. Before I um, got saved, I can remember very clearly uh, someone saying to me, well, you're just a sinner. And I said, I'm not a sinner. Because I had, didn't have the concept of what that was. Yes, you are. And I said, no, I'm not. I don't go around sinning. Wow. You know? But I was born in sin. Amen. But I did not realize that. Right. Because I was baptized. Oh, that's true. I had infant baptisms that cleansed me of all that. Yes. So uh, it's a concept that I had a hard time with at first. Well, and, and that's a good point to show that doctrines that we have can inoculate us 
from knowing the truth. Yeah. You know, we believe, well, I got baptized. That washed away all the uh, original sin, washed away every sin I ever had until the day I was baptized. And, you know, ever since then, I haven't done anything wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm not a sinner. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of teed into our next passage here. We go to First Thessalonians. And, um, chapter 5. Chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses uh, 19 through 22. It says, Don't suppress the Spirit, and don't stifle those who have a word from the Master. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything, and keep only what's good. Throw out anything tainted with evil. And suppressing the spirit is, is you know, not accepting the ministry of the Holy, Holy Ghost in our lives. His, he came to convict us of sin, and he came to open the spiritual world to us, the scriptures. And if we don't receive the Holy Spirit, you know, some people like they're the Pentecostals, which we're, we're Pentecostals. Let's get it right out in the open there. You know, we're Pentecostals. And we believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. We believe that it is, you know, you get saved. And then we believe you have to receive the Holy Spirit in your life. Just like the, the apostles and all them were saved once Christ was raised from the dead and they believed in him. That's salvation. Mm -hmm. But even... When Jesus left and went back to heaven, he told them, you know, well, don't go out and try to do anything now. Wait until you're endued or empowered mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father, the promise mm -hmm. that I told you was coming. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to do. Well, because there is power when we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's, Amen. it's evident. It's evident in our life. It's, I, I see it in others. The power is released, and the power yes. of God is manifested. And what it's saying, and, and yet there are whole denominations, like when the Pentecostal revival came at Azusa Street, and miracles flowed out to the point that the secular press quit reporting the miracles of people being healed, because it would happen every day. They just quit doing it. It went on for years and years. And when that came on, there were whole churches and whole denominations that are major denominations today that condemned it and said, well, it's of the devil, yes. you know, and, and we condemn yes. it. And, and many still do. Matter of fact, we had an experience where we, we befriended a pastor from a certain a, a denomination, and he, he became involved in the ministry that we were doing, feeding people and taking care of people and going to places. We, we introduced him to the uh, Right to Life movement, and that's what got him... Because right. he had to have a sponsor, and right. we sponsored him in. Right, but he also came over and helped out with some of the feedings and things like yeah. that. Okay. And he eventually got defrocked, which yes. means he took away his ordination, yes. and threw him out of his, his pastorate and his denomination, and the charge was consorting with Pentecostals. And this happened, you know, in, Many the, years ago. Well, in the 90s. You know, I mean, it was not, it was, now it's 30 years ago, but it was modern times. It wasn't back in the old days, back in the ancient Middle East, you know. 
But anyhow, this passage is talking about don't quench the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Don't don't condemn people who, who have a word from the Lord. But at the same time, it says, don't be gullible. Yes. Don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what's good. Well, that's, that is, you know, doctrines, traditions, ceremonies, things like that. You know, reading in the book of Galatians, it tells us that Jesus, it also tells us in Hebrews, Jesus plus anything is not the gospel. Mm -hmm. The gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Anything else, Jesus and angels, Jesus and ceremonies, Jesus and holy days, Jesus and anything else. If you need Jesus and anything else to be saved or to be right with God, that's not the gospel. The gospel is we need to believe in Jesus and that makes us right with God. You know? And so we can have things that we think are good and have the appearance. Matter of fact, in, in Proverbs it tells us there are many things that have the appearance of good, but they actually lead you to hell. You know, and we have to discern that. And the only way we're going to really discern it is by having the Holy Spirit within us, seeing with God's eyes, hearing with his ears, thinking with his mind. You know, the mind of Christ, that's what it tells us. Reckon yourself dead to the old man and alive to the new man so that the, the mind of Christ can be manifested within us. You know, so that Christ can be formed within us so that when we're judging things, we aren't judging them through human eyes. We're judging them through the eyes God has given us in the Spirit. And so many things. I mean, what we have to be sure to remain clean or, um, what's the right word? We don't want to be grieving the Holy Spirit in any no. way because then we'll be blocking that discernment. Amen. And we need that Holy Spirit discernment. Amen. In order, the, to, in order to recognize all this stuff. Yes. And at the same time, we can't become proud like, well, I have the Holy Spirit. I can judge everything Amen. myself. We have okay. to remain humble. Yes. And pray over things and let the Lord discern and show us what's right, what's wrong, what's of him and what's not. You know, where did all these traditions, ceremonies, things come from? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I don't want to condemn anybody. Do what God's calling you to do. I'm just telling you what, what God has shown us, that it's a simple thing. Believe in Christ Jesus and him crucified, him raised from the dead. Both the cross and the tomb are empty. Amen. Because Christ has died, Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. Christ will come again. Hallelujah. And our whole thing is we have to open the door when he knocks and then keep our eye on the prize. And we have to have a spirit of discernment to know that that's him who's knocking. Also. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I'm thankful for my spirit of discernment that he's blessed me with. And sometimes it's like, oh, this is a curse. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, definitely. Because it feels that way sometimes. Uh, it yeah. is, because you can be in, we can be involved in things like we were uh, involved in a Christian school. And I mean, it was, you know, a Christian school. We were there, we were working and everything else, and the spirit of discernment showed us there were some problems. Yeah. There were some things that were not right. 
Right. And it grieved our spirit. It because grieved the spirit of God within us. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, we just have to trust and obey. Oh, sounds like a song. Oh, oh it does. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a great discussion, Robert. Thank Praise you. God. Yes, thank you for your wisdom and your discernment of the scriptures in, in this case. Um, and um, we pray that you all have received and will continue to receive from those two passages. We're going to go into a song now. Yeah. So uh, hang on. You never know what's going to happen when we get there. <laughs> okay. Trojan War, chapter 28, and um, 
America's Trojan War. Oh, America's Trojan War. America's Trojan War, which is the first book in a five-book series, a dystopian uh, history of America from 2016 to 2024 about a civil war in modern America sparked by a a tremendous uh, terrorist attack. And if you've been following along and listening to the chapters, you see how that's unfolding. And you can get these all from Amazon, all five of them. Just put in, a, go to the search bar on Amazon, put in America's Trojan War, Dr. Robert Owens, and it'll pull it right up. And from there, you can get to all my books. That's right. All okay. right. Here we go. Chapter 28, The Battle of St. Elizabeth, Up the Down Stairwell. Lisa Billingham and Sergeant Bushings rushed into the building, firing into the face of the enemy. Hundreds and soon thousands of police, firemen, and civilians poured into the buildings of St. Elizabeth's Hospital. They shot anything that moved. By force of numbers, they pushed the defenders back from the windows and doors, room by room, sometimes desk by desk. The firefights raged, leaving dead, wounded, and dying, scattered in every conceivable pose, piled on the floor, slumped over desks and chairs, and half in and out of windows and doors. It was no exaggeration to say the building was littered with bodies. Still, the Americans, in their righteous anger, assaulted the enemy with a ferocity they had never imagined. Then suddenly, all the warriors withdrew to the stairwell. The crash of the 25-millimeter shells from the Bradleys Bradleys, could be heard impacting the upper story. A calm descended on the first floor as the attackers realized there were no more defenders to use for targets. It had all, it had all the, hold your breath, anticipation of the eerie calm found in the eye of a hurricane. When, when the stairwell doors opened, Lisa and a dozen other leaders among the citizen soldiers hurriedly shouted, hold your fire, as half-naked and naked women stumbled into the carnage of the first floor. The women were all in shock and almost co- incoherent, but by the time they had been escorted out of the building, fragments of their tortured stories were feverishly making the round. Charging like a bull at a red cape, enraged Americans crashed their way into the many stairwells on the first floor and directly into the waiting mass fire of the jihad. The first wave of Americans was cut down almost immediately, falling like dominoes one after another. Their places were instantly taken by others. Slowly, step by step, they forced the warriors up the stairs until they had made it to the second floor. Before they left the stairwell to run into a buzzsaw, a pre-prepared ambushes, the Americans cleared the way with grenades. Lisa was one of the first out of the stairwell. She ran through the door, immediately moved to her left and hit the floor, rolling behind a metal desk. She could hear the sounds of small arms fire hitting the other side of the desk, and she could see Americans falling as they ran out of the stairwell. The fallen were quickly replaced by others, many of whom made it to cover and some who just stood there firing and somehow did not get hit. There, firing, firing, firing. Looking under the desk, she could see the feet and ankles of warriors several desk rows beyond her. She maneuvered her AR-15 and sprayed the exposed limbs with fire. Three warriors fell to the floor, and Lisa squeezed off another burst, this time hitting them in the face neck, and other vital areas. Thinking the way in that direction had been cleared, Lisa jumped up and started leaping over dead. After the second dash, when she landed, her ankle was grabbed by a warrior who was hiding behind a big file cabinet. Lisa came down hard on her side. The warrior grabbed her around the neck from behind and tried to pin her arms under her. As he rolled his entire weight on top of her, he said, Now you die, you unbeliever whore! 
in perfect English. Lisa was struggling to reach her knife when suddenly the man's hands went limp and he transitioned from a purposeful living human being to the dead weight of a corpse. Rolling the dead warrior off her, she could see the back half of his head was now a bleeding, oozing wound. Looking up, she saw a young girl. She couldn't have been more than 15, holding the, the 357 Magnum that had saved her life. She reached up and pulled the girl down beside her. Thanks, she said, knowing that would never be. They killed my mom and dad, the girl said in a flat voice that lacked any shade of emotion. The building rocked as several 25-millimeter rounds crashed through windows and exploded with devastating effect, knocking down both Americans and terrorists. They killed my mom and dad, the girl said again. Then, as Lisa tried to use her radio to order the Bradley to, Bradleys to start on the third floor, the girl jumped up and started firing as she screamed, They killed my mom and dad! Before Lisa could pull her down again, a bullet found its mark and the girl crumpled to the floor like a rag doll with a bleeding hole where her face used to be. The battle ebbed and flowed from cubicle to cubicle, from desk to desk, from office to office, as a steady stream of Americans pushed their way into the second floor in the face of steady but decreasing fire from the invaders. The constantly growing firepower of the American citizen soldiers eventually brought all resistance on the second floor to an end. The stairwell from the second to the third floor became a kill box as the terrorists rolled hand grenades into the teeth of the first few waves that tried to force their way up, climbing over dead and mangled bodies, stepping over lumps of bleeding flesh that moments before formed parts of living, breathing men and women. The Americans in their blind rage and eagerness to close with the these murders pushed their way onto the third floor. It mirrored the battle scene on the second floor, except that on the third floor they came upon many rooms where patients had been confined and executed. Although after hearing the stories of the violated women, it would have been hard to imagine anything making the level of anger any higher. But these, this latest evidence of atrocities made the Americans even more ruthless and bold. Sergeant Bushings and a squad of men and women with him were exiting a room filled with a dozen bodies of executed patients. They cornered a group of terrorists in a break room. After a few minutes with no return fire, it became evidence that jihadis were out of ammo. As the Americans walked towards them, two slit their throats. One jumped up and rushed the Americans, yelling, Allah Akbar, Bushing, and a few others practically cut them in half with fire from their AK-15. Then two others stood up with their hands in the air. One of them said in perfect English with a southern accent, We surrender. Sergeant Bushings of the Washington D. CPD, who had spent a long and proud career protecting and serving others, stepped up to the one who had spoken, pulled his pistol, and shot him in his left temple, saying, Go meet your virgins, you murdering bastard. Blood, bones, and goo flashed all over his companion, who hurriedly tried to pull his knife and yelling, Allah, before shots from several of the Americans cut him in half, down in a hail. In another part of the third floor, Brian Billingham was in a hand-to-hand -hand combat with a jihadi in a room where they faced each other alone. They had both run out of ammo. With knives in hand, they prepared to engage, knowing that only one of them would leave alive. Terrorists yelled, Allah Akbar, as he leapt towards Brian, who yelled, Die, you son of a bitch, in return. Then they were rolling around on the floor, each trying to get the advantage. At first, they seemed evenly matched. Both were big men, over six feet. Both weighed over 240 pounds and both were battle-hardened and well-trained. Smashing him against the floor, terrorists caused Brian to drop his knife, went flying. 
They rolled a few more times and the terrorist ended up on top. He was trying to stab Brian in the face, pressing his knife with all his weight. While Brian, with both hands holding the knife at bay, pushed up with as much strength as he had. The terrorist shifted his body forward to use more of his weight to press the knife home. This gave Brian just the opportunity he had been hoping for. He pushed his whole body up as hard as he could. As Brian rocked back under the weight of the assailant, he used the extra couple of inch base at his hips to wrap his legs around the head of the terrorist. Smashing his knees into the man's ears and crossing his ankle, he used his new levers to pull the jihadi backwards, freeing one of his hands while still pushing as much as he could against the other man holding the knife. Brian jammed his thumb into the terrorist's eye as hard as he could. Instantly, the terrorist let go of the knife and grabbed at the hand that was crushing his eye. The released knife fell almost straight down, slicing a long, jagged gash in Brian's cheek. Ignoring the pain from the cut, Brian kept pushing into the man's eye until he felt it pop. Screaming in pain, the man rolled off and away from Brian. Reaching around without looking, Brian's freed hand searched for the fallen knife. When he found it, he rolled towards the man and plunged the knife into his throat. Brian stood up. Amen Mata, a native of Syria, who had once been a university professor and the peace-loving father of five sons, who were all dead now from an American bomb, lay gurgling. In another part of the third floor, Lisa, with blood running freely from her left cheek from a piece of flying glass that had hit her, was leading about a dozen men and women in an assault on the main enemy resistance around a secretarial pole in the middle of a large office in the center of the third floor. After a few moments, the Americans began to notice there was no firing coming from the center of the room. Hold your fire, Lisa shouted above the din of the American fire, so they could hear almost constant firing from all around them, as well as the crash of 25 millimeter shells hitting the fourth floor. Once the people with Lisa stopped firing, silence fell on the big office. Into the sudden semi-silence, someone yelled, we're out of ammo, we want to surrender. Stand up with your hands up and no weapons, Lisa called back. Almost immediately, five men stood up, their hands raised and no weapon. Lisa said, come out into the open area on this side of the desk and lay down, face down, on the floor with your hands behind your head. The men filed out of the secretarial pool and lay down with their hands behind their heads. Lisa and several others stood up, started walking around the desk they had been hiding behind when suddenly two other men jumped up inside the secretarial pool with AR-15s and started spraying the room with fire. Immediately, the two Americans were hit, dropped like mannequins, knocked off their pedestal. A bullet caught Lisa in her left arm, spun her around and she fell to the floor. The jihadis on the floor had rolled toward death, seeking cover as they tried to pull pistols they had concealed in their belt. One American threw a grenade in the secretarial. Several others, taking no thought of their own safety, stood up around the desk that gave them cover and methodically shot all five men as they rolled on the floor unable to get their guns out in time to return fire. Then the grenade went off, but not before two jihadis in the pool with the ARs were able to cut down every one of the Americans who had stepped out of cover in a rain of lead. Scene after scene, that repeated this mayhem and ferocity. The third floor was finally cured, and once again in America, were fighting their way up a stairway. Thank you, Robert. Boy, gotta tell you, if you don't get excited with this book, there's something wrong with you, <laughs> because it has hit an excite, excited point, that's for sure. Well, um, we're going to close out now, yeah. and we just want to, Robert already mentioned how to purchase the books. You can also contact us, let us know something you would like to hear us discuss or, or minister about, and uh, how to schedule us if you just go to... Itookarightturn.com. Mm-hmm. You can go right there. There's a, a, a place for contact, and it'll show you how to do it. Yeah. 
And we'd love to hear from you. Yes, yes we would. Now we're going to go from here and back underneath the blanket. <laughs> <laughs> so we can stay toasty warm here in the frozen bedroom. And watch the fire out in the fireplace. Yeah, exactly. Have a great one, Mom. Yes, it's we pray good. for everybody who's being affected by this weather or in any other way. Amen. Wait.